you're a Delta SkyMiles Platinum Business American Express card member, you'll know a thing or two about an expertly packed capsule wardrobe that balances business and leisure. So you can go from conference sleek to cocktail party chic with a few new accessories. You can hustle from 9 to 5 before exploring with ease from 5 to 9. Because you're the chief excursion officer. The Delta SkyMiles Platinum Business American Express card. If you travel, you know. Learn more at go.amex slash you know business. It's your time. Join global thought leader, executive producer, and New York Times bestselling author T.D. Jakes and today's leading culture shifters for an experience unlike any other. At the 2024 International Leadership Summit, spiritual and business leaders can gain the practical tools they need to maximize their timing for success. With world-class discussions, breakout sessions, and networking opportunities, this is where your dreams turn into reality. Timing is everything, and your time is now. March 21st through 23rd in Dallas, Texas, Register today at thisisils.org. Take me to the king. Hello, podcast listeners. My name is Kelly Richardson Lawson. I'm a mother, a wife, and an entrepreneur. I started the Sunrise Project after our beautiful teenage son attempted to take his own life. Truth is, I'm tired. My husband and I felt despair, isolation, and immeasurable pain. I knew in my heart we needed a place for Black parents to share their struggles, find mutual support, and help our beloved children who struggle with mental wellness, addiction, or both. Each weekly podcast features an expert who shares their knowledge and takes questions from parents and children. Take me to the king. I don't have much to bring. The Sunrise Project allows Black families like ours, to find comfort in knowing that we are not alone. While the purpose of the Sunrise Project is to share, support, and uplift, this conversation is not a substitute for medical advice. Finding the right healthcare professional for your family's specific needs is crucial. If you do not feel seen or heard, you should speak to more than one professional to find the right fit. Good morning and welcome again to our weekly Sunrise Project call. As always, I'm so happy you're here with us as we work together to find a moment of solace and peace while we learn and share and listen in a safe space that's filled with love and compassion and a mutual desire to heal ourselves and our children and our families. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Today's special guest is back with us today uh, for a part two of what we're calling our Silver Platter series. And his name is Carter Drew. He is a marriage and family therapy clinical fellow who has said, and I quote, counseling is not my career, but my passion. It's a calling to be a bridge for clients who desire to grow into the best version of themselves. He works with people to help families, couples, and groups learn more about the way we feel, and he provides relationships with great great tools and strategies to improve our relationships. Carter is a clinician at the Brookwood Center for Psychotherapy in Atlanta. He's a father of three children, a grandfather, a husband, a Fortune 100 senior executive, former first responder, and executive coach. And he grew up in Chicago's South Side, bringing a broad, diverse, human approach to all of the work he does in his counseling work. So I am excited that he's back. Thank you for being here. Today's topic is entitled The Silver Platter Life, and it's part two of our series of Silver Platter Parenting. This morning, he's going to speak on a topic that is very, very, very near and dear to my heart around the dangers of the Black superwoman model. And he's going to ask a question, is it time for us to hang up our capes? A complex convergence of societal, relational, economic, and familial dynamics have thrust many Black women into a leadership void beyond their intended purpose and into a chronic state of role stress. Many of us, I would say including myself, are cast into the role of bearing the unfair burden of being the backbone of the community. And it's who we've been the entire time we've been uh, in this country, quite honestly. All of history and all of history. As such, many feel obligated to project strength in every arena of our lives. This projection often takes its toll on the emotional, mental, physical, and spiritual health and wellness 
of too many women. And again, I, um, as I'm reading this, I'm feeling every word of this. So how, as women, can we pivot from running a marathon at a sprinter speed to practicing healthy selfishness? This morning, Carter will help us explore ways to build a structure of life harmony, relationships of equality, resilience, restoration, and foundational support. And most importantly, he's gonna talk with us about how we can do this without guilt. So without any further ado, please welcome Carter Drew this morning. Thank you so much for being back with us today for part two of the Silver Platter Parenting Series. Thank you so much. Well, Kelly, uh, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate uh, you know, your support and allowing me to uh, you know, speak on a very important topic. It's very relevant in our community. And I think just by happenstance in our conversation, uh, we talked about this but I'm so happy to be able to speak about it. And one of the things that, uh, that I wanna say before I get started is, is that as I work through this process, just keep in mind, I'm a living witness that uh, when we know better, we do better, right? So I don't want anybody out there feeling uh, you know, blamed or judged about any aspect of this. This is just somewhat, somewhat of a diagnostic process in terms of my way of thinking about this particular challenge. And this black superwoman model is one of the most serious challenges in our community uh, because it affects our children uh, and it affects the intergenerational aspects of how our, our, our community is going to be operating in the future. So as I mentioned this particular uh, aspect of uh, the black superwoman model, I'm gonna work through a diagnostic picture about how I believe this happened, because I believe this model is a symptom. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And so I'm going to talk about some potential go-forward strategies as well that I think can be helpful. But let's start with really how we got here. And I think it's important to really outline uh, what I believe is the root cause of this. So... Back in the 60s, I know many of you probably weren't born at that, at that time, uh, there were a couple of reports that came out. The first one was the Moynihan Report. And the Moynihan Report uh, was the Negro Family, the Case for National Action. And then there was another report that came out uh, in 1968, which was the Kerner Commission Report. And in essence, these two reports really outlined the challenges uh, that are in the issues that we're facing the black community and the black family. You know, and many of these things we're talking about still today, the aspects of structural racism, poverty, violence, lack of uh, racial equity. And, you know, in the sixties, we were at a, what I would call a strategic inflection point as a nation. We could have decided to, to make certain changes in this process that would be about repair and restoration or we could continue down the same path that we've been on, which would lead to some of the destructive aspects that I'm going to speak about. And our government chose the latter, right? And here's why I say that. In the early 1960s, almost 80% of black children were raised in two-parent homes, right? And um, in, around 1971, a U.S. president, Richard M. Nixon, made a decision and collaborated with some of his leaders. And what they said was, we wanted to develop a strategy to criminalize drug use as a way of destabilizing the black community. And just think about that for a minute. Criminalizing drug use as a strategy to destabilize the black community. And so we know what happened from, from that standpoint. This brought about this, uh, the so-called war on drugs which now we know is pretty bogus because most of these drugs that we've been, uh, black men and women have been arrested for, for five decades now and longer are now legal for whatever reason. 
but this mass incarceration strategy uh, coupled with a shift in from a, a industrial-based economy to a service and technology-based economy left many black men behind with no transition plan from a work standpoint. And um, there was an aspect of strategic deindustrialization of the urban centers that went along with this. Now, why is this important? So over roughly 50 years, I want you to really think about these numbers. We've gone from 80% of black children being raised in two parent homes to, to in 2010, 73% of black children were be, being raised in single parent homes, mostly by black superwomen mothers, right? And so when Moynihan uh, published this, he said it was a crisis, even when we had 80% two parent homes. So what do you think the situation is now when you have it probably approaching almost 75% single parent homes? is catastrophic in so many ways. And especially as it relates to this topic that we're gonna talk about relative to the black superwoman model. One of the key aspects of, of this in terms of, I'm gonna talk a little bit about the men, a key aspect of manhood is work. And when men can't work, they become disoriented because that's found, work is foundational to their purpose and their foundational role within the family. So this particular strategy took the protection, provision, and the production and the cover off of the black, off the black woman and left her in a very vulnerable state, right? Uh, and when I'm talking about, uh, I'll get into some of this a little bit more, more deeply, but when I'm talking about provision, I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about from a spiritual perspective, spiritual leadership perspective, uh, her emotional and health and wellness needs, and the level of intimacy that, that all black women are designed to be loved and want, wanting to receive that love. And so this strategy has had a crippling effect on, on the aspects of that from a relational standpoint. And one of the things that I often say is how men relate to women uh, shapes the culture of the community. And so we'll talk about that a little bit more from that standpoint. So this whole thing created a, a leadership void that uh, Kelly spoke about. And we understand that children learn by observation, example, and instruction. And they learn by observation and example, whether they're learning by instruction or getting instruction or not. So what's the, what's the ramifications of this breakdown uh, from a relational standpoint? Some women, because of how they're raised in this changing dynamic, may not realize the difference between a male and a man the difference between a male and a man. And so why is that really so, so important? A man has several assignments that he brings to the relationship with the woman and into the family. These, the, and here, here's what those assignments are. Leader, visionary, provider, protector, cultivator, and teacher, right? Now manhood is a decision, boys operate based off their emotions. So when you think about those assignments, visionary, leader, provider, protector, cultivator, and teacher, when those assignments are extracted out of the family and out of the relationship with the Black woman, all of those various things need to be accomplished. All those roles are thrust onto the Black woman and many of them are not girded up to do that role. They're not equipped to do that role. And it's not their responsibility to do that role. But there's a gap there that needs to be filled. And they're trying to fill it as best they can. Okay. So what happens in this, this particular dynamic? This causes what I describe as role stress. So now, rather than being in a relationship of equality, the Black superwoman is being the mother, the father, the CEO, the coach, the homework checker, uh, the mechanic, uh, the PTA person, uh, the gardener, and all of these roles on top of everything else that she would just have responsibility to do as a mother, right? And um, many Black superwomen are what I call the it child in their family, which means you're it. 
you're the go-to person for all these other people outside of the basic family that you have with your children or, you know, in, in, that, in that's, that uh, particular scenario. So you have those kinds of relationship dynamics. Um, and the relationship, relational effect of this in terms of black women, they're not covered in many, many cases, and they don't have an emotionally healthy and foundationally secure and supported relationship sometimes with either the father of their children or, 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 or another man, period. Uh, so I want you to just keep that in mind as we go back to that observation, example, and instruction aspect of it. Now, I remember I talked about in our last uh, discussion, maybe some of you heard me talk about the parental coalition, right? Now, um, well, a key aspect of this parental coalition is the unity between the parents. So you think, you think about now that 73% dynamic out there, right? So first of all, it's the unity in their own relationship and the modeling aspect of that unity to the children, right? Secondly, it's unifying around the values, convictions, principles, and aspects of character that are going to be transferred into the children, right? Now, when you think about this parental coalition, the foundation of it is the parents modeling those characteristics that I just spoke, talked about. What are their values? What are their convictions? What are their principles? And how do they model those as individuals and in their relationship with one another? And the parental coalition now, based on that foundation, the next step up before they even get to the relationship with the children is the emotional health of the parents' relationship, which can be oftentimes fractured in this black superwoman model type of scenario, right? So the who, what, when, where, and how of the rest of the coalition, which is the love, the coaching, the teaching, the correction, and the discipline, what are the strategies to get this stuff done in terms of the children? All of that's now falling on the black superwoman from that standpoint. Now, all of this stuff has to be done, but you know, as we spoke about er earlier, Kelly, there's only 24 hours in the day. And so when you have all of this responsibility just on one person, it's much more likely that something's gonna fall through the cracks at some point. And I think another key aspect of it that we're not necessarily speaking about is how does the black superwoman get her needs met in the process. And one of the things that I've, that I've talked about in coaching sessions or counseling sessions, and I'd ask you to consider, never let someone drink from your cup unless it's full. Never let someone drink from your cup unless it's full. I want you to really think about that and hold on to that because many times when I talk to these black super women that are, you know, that I either counsel or, or I'm in a coaching relationship with, you know what they tell me? Carter, my, my cup has never been full. And there's not a clear understanding that you're not the only person responsible to replenish your cup, okay? So, so before I go there, I wanna talk about some of the impacts in terms of what this, what this model does. Many black girls and women have never been covered. They never really saw a covering relationship between their father and their mother, right? And so when they go into the dating relationship, they don't have any idea of what they should be looking for. And more importantly, what they should be looking out for in terms of developing a relationship with a man, right? And they're in a very vulnerable position, even though they might not even know it. So I'm going to talk about a couple of examples around this covering piece, because I coach different fathers and stuff on this as well. So one aspect of it is the covering aspect with the daughter. There's an aspect on the son, but I'm gonna focus on the daughter for just for today. And so I did this with my daughter. I gave my daughter a covering ring. I explained to her, now this is the ring to cover you until if you decide to get married, you know, and you get your engagement ring and you take this ring off and you get your engagement ring. But here's what the covering aspect is all about, is it's my responsibility to vet the suitors that come into your personal space. That's my job. And it's gonna be a difficult job 
uh, because even though I'm working with you to develop your spiritual maturity, your emotional health and your discernment, you're gonna wanna be in love. And it's my job to show you certain situations that may come towards you that don't have anything to do with love. Now, about six years ago at my daughter's wedding, she asked me to speak. And uh, before I spoke, I said, uh, today is the last day that I need to impersonate David Copperfield because only God can make the right man appear in your daughter's life. But only a father can make the wrong man disappear. And after today, I don't have to make any more people disappear. Right. So so there is a, a significant role that a father needs to play in terms of covering the daughter, because what has happened out here is, is that in this process, in this breakdown, a lot of young men out there believe now um, that, hey, I bought you a box of popcorn and a movie ticket, Burger King value, value meal. It's time for me to receive husband privileges. And if the father doesn't provide clarity, these young men think that you think what they think. And why do they think that? They, you see it everywhere. You see it in the movies, you see it on TV, all over the place. And first date sex, whatever the case may be. And I've used these, um, uh, if you go on YouTube and you Google, what's your body gown? There's young women out there all, all over the place. They're, they're not, many of them don't look over 25 years old. What's your body count? 15, 8, 12, 43, 50. So it's just crazy out there in terms of the vulnerable position that young, many um, young black women are in, are in because they're not being covered, right? And to take it one step further, uh, I've also used these videos as well, TV One's Fatal Attraction. There's at least 200 videos out there on YouTube and it really diagnoses the notion that a lot of these young black women, incredible, smart, intelligent, brilliant, capable. They thought they were in love. And you know where they are today? They're all dead because they weren't in the right relationship with the person that they should have been in, right? Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So that's, that's an aspect of it. Now let me talk a little bit about the covering examples for Black women. Now, because of this lack of modeling within the family, many Black women mistake covering for control. So I'll give you two or three examples. So, you know, I'm out on a date, basketball game is over. The person that I was out on the date with left her car in a parking garage. I drive back to the parking garage. She said, okay, Carter, you can just drop me off. I, you know, I said, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna come in with you. She said, no, I just come here all the time. I said, that's okay, I'm, I'm gonna come in with you. So we go to the fifth floor in this parking garage. It's about 11, 11.30 at night. She steps off the elevator, I step off behind her. There's a guy standing there with a phone. There's just a few parking cars in the parking garage, right? Now, he looks at me, I look at him. And I look at him from the standpoint, not today, bro, okay? Now, just, just think about that. Had I just said, oh, okay, do your thing. When she steps off that elevator by herself, what could have happened? Okay, so that's one example. Another example is um, I'm going to Dallas to see a football game. A lady, a lady friend of mine is meeting me in Dallas. She calls me and says, my flight's getting in early. I said, really? She said, oh yeah, this, this happened, that happened, so I'll be there a couple hours before you do. So okay. So I got off the phone. I called the hotel. I said, hey, so-and-so so is, so is going to get there a little bit early. I want to make sure she has a, uh, an early check-in so she can get into her room because she, doesn't, she shouldn't be sitting in the lobby for hours with guys walking by wondering, is she available, is she not available? So I covered her. Here's another, here's another example of covering. We're at a basketball game. She said, I need, need to use the restroom. I said, okay, I'll go with you. Okay, so I don't need you to go with you. I, I know you don't. 
So we walk, walk to the restroom. I wait for her to come out. At, you know, Fitz Plaza and, you know, the stadium in Atlanta. She said, well, what, what's this all about? I said, do you, you realize that in the common area at the stadium, a lot of these guys, they didn't even come to, to see the game. They just came to hit on people in the common area. Now you're in a city by yourself. You don't know your way around here. So why should you be wandering around trying to figure out which, which porthole to come to and how to get back to your seat or whatever the case may be when you're with me? And I can go on in terms of a lot of different types of scenarios like that. Last one, um, I'm picking, picking up uh, my lady friend uh, and she's in some uh, office building downstairs, downtown. And she said, well, you know, what time are you going to be here? I said, um, X, Y, and Z time. I said, now, wait until I wait until I get there before you come out. Don't come out there and stand out and stand on the corner until I get there. Because I understand that there's predators out there. And they're out there circling around. They see you still standing there. You could be confronted by issues. And so here's another thing that I've used uh, with Black women to support their understanding of this. And I'm not saying that you should do this because this is not for everybody. But there's an app out there called the Sex Offender app. If you put it on your phone or have someone, have your husband or whatever, put it on their phone. And then you put in your zip code. It shows a map. And I did this with, with my female cousins, my sisters. You know how many registered sex offenders live in your neighborhood? These are just the people that they know about. So I don't want to go down that fight, but I'm just, I want to articulate to you what that, that missing dimension of covering is all about and the additional stress that's on the black woman because she's not covered, right? So out of this, many, I think in some situations, black women have been forced to develop a certain operating system. And you've probably heard it. Well, I can't depend on the man, right? Have you ever heard that? Can't depend on, on no man, right? Uh, learning to be the man in their own life. And that this schema can, can develop a process where uh, it's like a magnet for what? Now I'm a magnet for men who want to be dependent. Men who can't be depended upon. Men who are intimidated by you as black superwomen. I've heard that and peel the onion back on that schema, right? Men uh, who will take you back to recreate your childhood trauma. And so there's a lot of aspects of the covering process that are missing. I'm not, not going to talk deeply about the sons today, but I just want to say this. The sons now watching this super black woman model, part of their perspective is, oh, I got this girl pregnant. Well, I can leave and you can do everything because my mom did everything. And what's the evidence of that? The evidence of it is the difference between 80% two-parent and 73% single parent. Plus, we have males on national television. I'm sure you've seen them. With their chest stuck out, I have 34 babies by 20 women. I have 15 babies by nine women. I got 20 babies by, you know, 15. It's crazy. You know, so, so what has happened in the process of this structure is we've also lowered the bar for young Black men. And now they have a perspective that uh, I can have my, uh, my dessert before I eat my vegetables, so to speak. And so I want you to remember those assignments that I talked about, right? You know, the visionary provider, protector, all of that. It was not black women's job to be the primary source of manhood development for black boys. That's his father's job. But a lot of that, these things, those covering things that I talk about, somebody has to teach you that. Who's gonna teach you that? All right, so the ramifications of this process now is now through this modeling, this observation, now we have a cycle of this. And I've sat in, in rooms with professional black superwomen who were angry and were adamant about the fact that I don't need a man to have no family. All I need is the baby, right? My mother did this so that I so I can do that, and, and I'm not blaming them. I can understand exactly why you know why they they feel that way. So when you think about the less legacy implications of this, before we go to the next step, whoever your children connect themselves to, whether it's your daughter or your son, those people are either going to make your family a lot stronger or a lot weaker.
it's going to be one or the other. It's not going, it's not going to be both. And I don't care how much money you got. It's hard to overcome having the wrong people in your family, right? Now let's talk a little bit about the economic aspects of this, because another aspect of the black superwoman model and things that's really impacting them is social economic stress. A child born today in the United States, it will take $245,000 to raise them from birth to 18 out of poverty, $245,000. Now, as we know, because of various reasons, most children are not fully emancipated until their late 20s or early 30s. So when you add college education and all of that, you're talking about probably easily $400,000 worth of investment. So if you got two, three, four kids, where's all that money gonna come from uh, in, in terms of that? And that's if just, if the kids are all healthy. So when you look at the earning power of the average black woman, this breakdown in the, in the parental coalition, this breakdown in the mar marital structure for black families, now you don't have the power of that dual income in many kinds of circumstances. And so what does that mean? That affects where I live, that affects the school I go to, that affects who my friends are, that affects the environment I'm in, on and on and on, all those things that you need to know. Now, I wanna talk a little bit about this, this aspect of it in terms of the extended family. Remember when I talked about the it child? So a lot of black women that I talk to, they have a lot of codependent relationships in their family. And I'm not talking about big mama who paid it forward or your mama who's 85 years old or dad who's 90 years old. I'm not talking about those people. I'm talking about those grown, supposedly adult people that are in your extended family, right? Where you don't have a relationship of 100% responsibility with them. You are doing 125% and they wanna do 75%. And they've learned, all I gotta do is I can be irresponsible and throw up the bat signal. And the black superwoman model will show up, right? I've seen it, I've seen it happen. So now, you know how when you sit in a hospital and they put an IV in your arm to replenish you with fluids? So many black women that I talk to, they got the IV in their arm, but the fluids are going out to all these other people that are standing around them in these codependent types of relationships. So I asked myself, for the super black woman, where is your place of restoration? Where is your soft place to land? Where is your place of support? Where is your place of replenishment? Where do you get that? What's the structure for that? And as I close, I want to just talk about the cumulative effects of some of these things, of chronic stress, emotional stress. Many Black women that I coach as executives, they're also having microaggressions at work. People don't want their hair to be worn a certain way. Poor sleep habits, poor nutrition, uh, poor health and wellness types of habits, right? We all know, and we've seen through this COVID thing, the inequities in the healthcare system, in particular as it relates to Black women who are dealing with a lot of, um, you know, uh, diabetes and coronary artery diseases and lupus and all these other kinds of things. And some of this stress spawns aspects of what I call self-soothing, alcohol abuse, uh, substance abuse, gambling, um, shopping addictions. I know you don't want me to talk about that. Get, you know, and those kinds of things. So how do we diff how do we look at certain solutions from a, at the individual level, at the family level, at the community level, and we also need help uh, at the institutional level. And I want to say something about this whole backbone of the community thing. I want to get rid of that because first of all, when you think about it, in any other community the Jewish community, the Asian community, the Hispanic community, the white community, there is no question that the man is the backbone of the community. What this thing here is, is supposedly, it's an affirmation of black women, but in essence, it's a backhand to slap the back black men because you can't be the backbone of your community. You have to see, send your woman to be your representative. And so that's another aspect of taking power and dominion away from black men and also diminishing them in the eyes of the larger community and in the eyes of their women as well. 
And I, and I think we have a very limited perspective on the real context of what's going on in a lot of black superwomen's lives because they're putting up a good front. But man, when you talk to them on the, in the inside and all of the fronts are dropped, there's a lot of challenges out there facing. So I think that one of, the, one of the solutions, and we can get into this maybe at another talk, is the allyship that needs to happen between black women and, and, and the men in their lives. That allyship needs to happen from that standpoint. And we need to be culturally sensitive. We need to have cultural sensitive counseling and relevant care so that it so can illuminate the, the issues that are happening within the whole person and break down and, and give an understanding of how many of these black superwomen are actually just what they're doing is replicating the childhood survival adaptive routines from their unhealed childhood. And yeah, while those things, and we don't judge those things in, from childhood because we know we all came from imperfect parents, that operating system can create a suboptimal solution in your life today that has many kinds of challenges. So, you know, we can get into, you know, maybe in the Q&A, uh, some of these things in terms of the sound relationship house from Gottman, analyzing your family system. Some of the things that I do is relationship analysis, you know, with, with clients, uh, dating structure processes, looking at their health and wellness and addiction issues and that kind of thing. So I'm going to give you a couple of things, and then uh, Kelly, you can open up for questions. Is I really at the core of this? Also, we need to shift, and we need a shift in black men from a this predatory consumer cycling through black woman model to a commitment, covering, contribution, and stability model. Now that is a big, massive shift from where we are today. But I think that that's something that, you know, I'm certainly focused on in terms of some of the work that I'm doing. But we need that shift in order to level this whole thing out. Because I think a lot of Black women don't recognize that when they're in a relationship with a man, God intended you to rest on that man's foundation, not put, your, put the foundation under your man. He didn't intend for you to do that. So resting on, a, on that secure foundation and then being covered by that man. And when both of those things are absent, there are going to be a lot of stress. So when you look at this whole aspect of not running a marathon at a sprinter speed and being able to establish healthy boundaries and getting to a place of, uh, there's an old book out there called Healthy Selfishness, where you can do this stuff without feeling guilty. What I help clients to do is really understand we're all in a play of life, right? And on your stage, everybody has a script about you. You've taught them. We teach people how to treat us, right? And so I help them to really understand how to proactively go back and rewrite the script for a lot of these codependent relationships and take back their power. So that's Thank my perspective. You. So it's, you know, as I was listening to you, Carter, thank you for that. I was thinking about something you said um, in your last talk where you talked about our children are symptom bearers for the problems of the family system. So, I, and that's coming through and it's weaving its way through here because as I think about, you talked about the stress level and what happens to black women, many of us who are just, you know, really doing the best we can from a very unfull un cup already starting point, you know, we're already on fumes and, but we're doing the best we can. And so yeah. as I hear you talk and I think about our children and some of the challenges we face, how oftentimes those may be, um, as you call it, a, um, a symptom from some of the larger problems that we have as women trying to hold it all together. And so I think being able to take a moment to breathe and to meditate or to go for a walk, even if it's just around the block, because we may not have enough time. I, I, was hearing, I was hearing you talk about those little things we can do to take care of ourselves. And I was wondering if you could share some other tips for us, and then we'll open up the floor for questions or comments. Well, what, what I would say is a couple of things is, is that really thinking about the resilience model for your life, right? And it can vary from person to person, 
But at the core, sometimes it's, you know, what is your, what is your foundation point? If it's a spiritual foundation or some other foundation, what is your grounding point as a person, right? Your convictions, values, principles, how you inform your decisions, choices, and actions. And then around that is your mental health, your emotional health, and your physical health, right? At the core. Then, you know, God intended for us to have a whole life. So really getting clear about what is your best look like, not only in your career, not only in your family, but what is your best look like in your fun life? What is your best look like life look like in your community life? What is your best life life look like in your relational life? And in really determining how do we bring the whole picture together so that there is a level of uh, support structure around you from that standpoint. And a way to think about this is, is that in, for Black superwomen, you know, our coach executives and otherwise, but you have a home network, an operational network, and a legacy network. So your home network structure should be your soft place to land, the people that support you, the people that replenish you, the people that really want to see the best of the best part of yourself. Let's, let's identify that and figure out exactly who those people are and who are and who they're not. The operational network is in any kind of business, organization, that kind of thing, you have to surround yourself with high performing people and people who can perform things at better levels than you. Otherwise you're gonna be high stress if you're always the smartest person sitting at the table. So let's figure out who are the people who have divine gifts that integrate with your divine defects, which we all have in our independent relationship to cause your, uh, your operation or your work or your career or your entrepreneurship to get to a higher level. And then let's talk about your legacy or your mastermind network. Who are the people out there, you may know them, you may not know them, who are really on their game in terms of having this life harmony aspect or being the kind of uh, embodying the kind of life that you want to uh, that you want to live for real, because a lot of times what can happen is we're comparing our insides to somebody else's outsides. You want to be depressed? Start comparing, ranking, and contrasting yourself to other people, because that's comparing apples to oranges. So actually looking at looking at those those structures, and then um, I do this relationship analysis because I hear a lot of black women say, well, I keep dating the right, same guy. Well, you can't date, you know, if you're the same woman, you're gonna date the same guy. So we need to understand what the underlying themes are in all these, all these guys that you're dating and, and why the same person, even though they have a different name or a different face, keeps showing up in your life. And peel back the onion around that. Let me just give you this slide. So I mean, I've had, uh, you've probably heard this yourself, Black women say, well, these men are intimidated by me. And I've had coach people around this. But when we peel back the onion, the reality of it is, is they have a psychological defense, right? So they don't want to really be in a relationship of equality, born out of some Trump traumatic events in their own childhood. So it's comfortable for them to be in relationships with, with men who are more like their sons. Okay, that's deep. Okay. Wow. Um, I, that could be a whole nother topic for another day, dating and all that good stuff, but we won't do that right now. Uh, I want to open up the floor for questions or comments from anybody who might be here today that wants to ask a question of Carter. Drew. I just had a comment and I really wanted to thank you. And I think that I feel like I'm on the right track, but I just never imagined how long it would take and how challenging it would be to get into the process of prioritizing me and how hard it would be to set the boundaries, how difficult it would be to change the habits and making those changes, I find them to be helpful. But as one of the callers has said, you know, it's, you get guilt trips and you're questioning yourself. And I, although I see the benefits of it, it's still, it's still a change of your, of, of my own personal habits. 
um, you know, learning to go to bed on time, making sure I don't mess up and I take my medication the way I'm supposed to, making sure that I get out there and, and do my walk and my exercise. I mean, it's, it's like going to school again to learn better behavior, but also to catch yourself when you are like, okay, this, this is not working. I know I, I need to just go ahead and go to bed or I need to do that priority. So I thank you for um, being here today because it's very reassuring, but I also needed to admit it's just a much longer process that I thought it would be. So thanks. Well, the thing that I would say is, first of all, it's really, really important to just give yourself the, the right to be human. And by that, I mean, is that a lot of times that childhood survival adaptive routine that we learned in making an adjustment because of some of the dysfunctions in our family of origin, those habits are difficult to break because many times they're in that base brain. And that base brain is always trying to take you back to the same situations of trauma potentially to heal itself. And so it takes time and it takes practice because we as human beings, we're like a walking collection of habits. Um, so sometimes you can't just take the whole thing at once, uh, but taking small steps toward that and then having a support group around you of people who are like-minded, who have a high level of self-awareness around the things that you wanna work on and then developing some kind of accountability process and structure with them. And then I, and you know, and it's really hard to teach people how to walk when they're chewing your legs off. So you gotta figure out if you got not to judge anybody, you can have potential parasites in your life. And I see this with a lot of black women, they have a lot of people in their life. Okay, they're on the phone with them for the thousandth time talking about the same thing, the person doesn't wanna change, that person should be in counseling. If you want to uh, do that kind of work, do it in, in, in nonprofit or volunteer to do that kind of work, but you can't do a lot of that kind of work and heavy lifting in your personal life for a whole bunch of people without feeling drained. That's thank so you. Fun. Yes, thank you for that. And thank you for everybody for being here this morning. I, um, you have filled my cup uh, a little bit more than it was. It was empty this morning. <laughs> on this particular day. So I just want to say thank you, Carter, for being here again with us. And thank you for our, our village um, for waking up this morning and being here. Uh, did you want to close with anything before I, I do a short prayer, Carter? Well, the only thing I would say is that um, I'm blessed to have a lot of great Black women in my life. My mother, I have two sisters. My mother had five sisters. My aunts, only two of them are still alive. I talk to them all the time. My grandmother, they're incredible. Mm. Um, and they bring a lot, you know, if you look at the definition of a Proverbs 31 woman, that's a powerful woman, okay? But the operating system that they were operating in, they weren't men and they didn't need to be. They weren't men, they didn't need to be. Exactly. Hold on to that, absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. So uh, again, thank you for being here this morning. Um, we were not meant to be men. Okay, I'm gonna hold on to that because I, I have heard that many times in my life, but again, for another day, another conversation. Let's close out a very short prayer this morning. Thank you so much. Oh, how comforting is it to know that no matter what happens to us or how we may be feeling or how our cup is not full, we always know that God is here with us. There are so many times that we may feel alone, we may feel exhausted, we may feel like we don't feel like getting up anymore. But especially in these times, and especially in those moments, when we may not feel God's presence at those times, we know we need his guidance, we know we need his help, and we thank you, Father, for always being there, for always pouring into us. Thank you so much for helping us not feel anxious, not feel worried, not feel alone. We know that you are with us, God. Thank you so much. We know that you're working out our problems. We know you're working out our situations. We know that you are leading us, that you're guiding us, that you're loving us, that you are providing for us. No man can provide what you can provide. And we appreciate you, Father, for that. 
We know that we need only to walk with the assurance by faith with you to receive what you have for us, dear Father. And it is essential that we realize how much you love us and that you have a good purpose and a good plan for us and our children and our families. We can trust you no matter what is going on in our lives. We can trust you. Dear Father, thank you so much for having Carter Drew here with us this morning to pour into our cups and to remind us that we are not designed to be men. Thank you for that. Thank you for his time. Thank you for all the people on this phone call who are working to make our family stronger. Thank you for always being with us, for never letting us feel alone. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Amen. I'm Kelly Richardson Lawson, and you've been listening to the Sunrise Project podcast. You can follow Sunrise wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't yet, open your podcast app and follow this show. Join us next week for another gathering of support. Thank you for listening. If you or someone you know is struggling with mental wellness challenges, contact your doctor, NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, or both. You can reach NAMI's helpline at 800-950-6264, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern Time, or email at info at NAMI.org. Volunteers are working to answer questions, offer support, and provide practical next steps. It's your time. Join global thought leader, executive producer, and New York Times bestselling author T.D. Jakes and today's leading culture shifters for an experience unlike any other. At the 2024 International Leadership Summit, spiritual and business leaders can gain the practical tools they need to maximize their timing for success. With world-class discussions, breakout sessions, and networking opportunities, this is where your dreams turn into reality. Timing is everything, and your time is now. March 21st through 23rd in Dallas, Texas. Register today at thisisils.org. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.